Welcome to the Global Workplace, Diversity, Equality, Opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserton, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserton. Hello, Voice America uh, listeners. Uh, I hope everyone is great and having a great uh, evening or morning. It's morning here in Australia. I'm very privileged uh, this morning to have Libby Lyons as my guest on the Workplace uh, uh, show. And um, the, the Libby is uh, appointed Director of Workplace Gender Equality Agency in October 2015 and plays an amazing role here in Australia. She oversees a statutory reporting process which gathers gender equality data from over 11,000 employers and covers more than 4 million Australian employees. In leading the agency, Libby is focused on working closely with employers to create workplace in which the skills, experience and ambitions of employees are equally recognized and rewarded regardless of their gender. Prior to joining the agency, Libby had a distinguished career in corporate affairs and government relations, most recently heading BHP, Billiton Olympics Dam Corporate Affairs Division. Before that, Libby was General Manager of External Relations at Atlas Iron and held senior roles as CIT, CIC, Pacific Mining, Alcoa Australia, the Western Power Corporation and Telstra. Libby has always a strong personal commitment to public service. She started her career as a primary school teacher in the outer suburb of Melbourne and has sat on the boards of the various organizations. Libby, uh, thank you so much for being my guest this morning. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you, Alma. And uh, you are in Perth today, which is uh, uh, about three or four hours difference from Melbourne, so I believe it's about 7 a.m. in Perth. <laughs> it is, it is, I'm, um, but I can assure you that I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I'm, my brain is in gear, I hope. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard you're an early starter, so that's, that's all good. Uh, you're one of the people that love uh, early morning, so uh, thank you so much for uh, being on a show this morning. You just came back recently from New York and travelled in, in Europe as a part of your role. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, i just come back. I've, I've had three trips recently, which is um, extraordinary. Um, we are, of course, a national agency and focus on workplaces in Australia. But I think um, there is no other country in the world that is collecting the depth and breadth of data uh, that we are in Australia around what's happening in terms of gender in Australian workplaces. And I think um, that what we are seeing as a result of collecting this data, and we're now just about to collect our fifth year of data, what we're seeing is uh, some international interest in the change that this data is starting to bring in Australia. And I think that as a result of that, uh, countries are looking to us, talking to us, questioning us, looking at our data um, to wonder what they could perhaps do in order to push gender equality 
in their countries and their workplaces. That, that's really an uh, interesting point. Uh, when I was talking to a few other people as my guests through the uh, Global Workplace Radio Show, they, they realized that Australia is now leading uh, in terms of getting the data because facts tell the story and paint the picture and you can't hide from the facts, isn't it? That's exactly right. So under the Workplace Gender Equality Act that came in uh, in 2012, every uh, private organisation in Australia with more than 100 employees must report into us on an annual basis on six gender equality indicators. Now, these six gender equality indicators were... Um, were devised from research at the time that said that if you address these three things, these six things in an organisation, uh, they are the ones that will most likely push change and increase gender equality. So the things that, that organisations report into us on, these indicators are um, the composition of their workforce, the composition of their governing body or, or board, um, the remuneration between women and men, the availability and um, utility of employment terms and conditions and practices, particularly around things such as flexible work programs, um, work arrangements to support employees with family and caring responsibilities, those sorts of things. The fifth thing they have to talk, talk to us about is the consultation they do with employees around gender equality in the workplace, how they consult, what, they can, what their employees are saying about their gender equality initiatives, and also around uh, sex-based harassment and discrimination, particularly about the training that they're offering their employees. So they report into us, so every organisation with more than 100 employees in the private sector. So that's about, it's over 11,000. Um, and reporting actually opens on the 1st of April and closes on the 31st of May. When we get all the data in, um, we then analyse it and every year we put out a scorecard that tells the country how we're going. And as we're about to collect the fifth year of data, what we are now seeing are some time trends. Uh, we're, we're, be able, we're being able to look at year-on-year -year, uh, comparisons of what's happening in different areas. So it is giving us a real picture of what is happening over time, which is just fantastic because that data doesn't lie. No, and I think uh, that also forces, it's almost like a public accountability, isn't it, um, from from everyone. What, what are the some of the, and I know probably you don't have the data in front of you, so it doesn't have to be specific answer, but do you see year-on-year -year improvement since we started five, six years ago in terms of the, the changes in, in an equal uh, opportunity and the, and the gender? Look, absolutely. I think this year for the first time, we actually have seen, you know, a substantial increase in the number of organisations, for instance, that are acting on pay equity. So um, this year, uh, employers that were actually analysing their pay data for gender pay gaps jumped nearly 11 percentage points. Um, and, and is up now around the 38% mark. So that's, 
That's an incredible increase in just 12 months to see an 11 percentage point increase in the number of organisations doing a pay gap analysis. So what that tells me is that the messages that we're putting out there, the messages that others are putting out there, the discussion that's happening in the community, particularly around pay gaps, is starting to take effect. People are starting to listen and actually organisations are starting to act. I think the other area where um, we've seen um, an increase is we now have nearly... 70% of all organisations with a policy or strategy in place around uh, or to address gender equality. That is absolutely incredible as well. Um, That's increased over the last four years. And the other area where we've seen um, some increase is in the employers that are uh, providing flexible work arrangements for their people, for their employees. We've now got about um, just over 68% of all employers who report into us offer us, um, offer their, their people, a pol- uh, you know, flexible work arrangements. So the policy or strategies there. I think where we're seeing the gap, however, is that we are not seeing, for instance, targets set in those 68% of organisations to get people to take up flexible work. So that's that's what we're going to be looking for in the next few years. So great, you've got the policy and strategy in place for flexible work, for instance. Okay, now let's start making your organisation and your managers accountable. Put some targets mm. in place, for instance, for the uptake of men taking flexible work because we know that if we get more men taking flexible work, that normalisation of flexibility in the workplace really, really helps women. Uh, Women get better jobs. Women get more roles in senior management. Uh, These sorts of things, these sorts of initiatives actually improve the opportunity for women to... um, to have real careers and have real choice and opportunity in the workplace. That, that is uh, such an interesting uh, insight, Libby. And um, Global Gender Report shows that Australia is on 46th place amongst 100 countries. Uh, Iceland is the first country to make women MA paid equally. And uh, the Australian government has committed to reduce the male-female workforce participation gap by 25% by 2025. So you've touched uh, some of these initiatives um, that uh, organization can have in place. So what will be the role of your agency in addressing these challenges and supporting this government initiative? I think our role as a statutory authority is, and, and what we do do, is we support, encourage and educate organizations to um, take up and, and, and introduce initiatives that we know uh, will make workplaces uh, more inclusive of, of women, that we know will help women uh, progress through their careers into management and senior management roles. So our job, after all, uh, the reason we have these issues is because organisations have been uh, traditionally discriminating whether 
consciously or unconsciously, and I would suggest mostly unconsciously, but have been discriminating against women in the workplace. So we work with them. We talk to them. Um, uh, we provide tools on our website. Um, we have programs that uh, support and encourage, um, you know, uh, the initiatives that we know help workplace gender equality. So I think that's that that's our main role because the more organisations that we get to put policies and strategies in place, but more importantly, to have plans, implementation plans and targets around them, uh, the more positive outcomes we're going to see across the country. I think um, the women's workforce participation in Australia is now at a record high at, um, at over 60%. Uh, and that... That is fantastic, and I really think that uh, a lot of that has had to do with the data that we're collecting, the, the fact that organisations are sitting up and taking note of this data and recognising that, you know, um, having a gender equal, a more inclusive and diverse uh, workplace isn't just the right thing to do, it's actually the smart thing to do. Uh, that that organisations are starting to realise that if you don't start putting these initiatives in place, um, your competitors are, and you're going to remain behind the eight ball in terms of your competitors. So in order to remain competitive, you've got to start looking at these things that we know mean that uh, employers will be more engaged. We know that uh, performance will improve. We know that participation rates will increase. And we know also that um, for particular organisations, and, and uh, there's a great example in BHP, um, that actually workplaces that have a, di- a more diverse and inclusive uh, balance in them, in their employees are actually safer too. So, you know, all of these things mean that if organisations put them in place, put uh, plans in place and targets in place to start introducing things like flexibility and paid parental leave, uh, that that they're going to end up with a high-performing, well-engaged workforce that will mean that people will want to work for them. So they'll, they'll be far more competitive than those of others in their industry. It's, it's really good to hear that. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've been nearly 27 years in Australia and I think we came a long way, uh, living in a lot, a lot of initiatives, and it's a still work in progress. And um, I've came a stat somewhere, according to World Economics Forum research, to say it will take or it could take 170 years to close disparity in pay and employment opportunities and men uh, and women globally. And, and um, the, the question that comes in, why do we need to wait 170 years? Why can't we do something faster? And it's good to see that the government is committed also to reduce this female participation by 2025, by 25%. But why not 50% or 60%? Look, Is it too I, hard? And, and I, I don't. I, I think 
It's, it's with all of these things. When you are trying to move an organisation along, when you are trying to uh, improve your, you know, let, let's say you're a sprinter and if you're trying to um, improve uh, the, the, the time that you run um, 200 metres, um, you set yourself targets. And um, I think that, that any target that you set is great. Uh, if you set tre- str- uh, if if you set targets that are a stretch target, so that that are really aspirational, you've also got to understand that sometimes you're not going to make it. That, yes. Uh, and and that uh, in not making it, you can become dis- uh, disappointed, um, let down, and things like that. That doesn't mean that you don't set a stretch target. It depends on the organisation and where they're at at any one time as to the sorts of targets that they set. And I think that every organisation is different and that's why we work with employers to because if every employer starts to make an effort, we are going to see um, uh, a difference in these figures that we collect and we're starting to see that already. As I say, you know, the employers that are actually analysing their pay gap has jumped 11 percentage points in 12 months. Um, That's because organisations are saying, right, well, we've got to do it. They're putting targets in place and plans and they're starting to do it. So stretch targets or aspirational targets are really, really great. But like any plan, like anything strategy that you introduce in a workplace, you've got to continually review them. Uh, and test them against what's happening in your organisation in any one time. So if you want to set stretch targets, that's fantastic. Realise you won't necessarily get there and have plans in place that may address um, the disappointment that employees feel in not meeting those stretch targets. Um, uh, and then, at, at, but, you know, communicate I think transparency with employees is the other key here. Tell your employees what you're doing. Tell them why you're doing it. Tell them why you're putting in targets or stretch targets. Explain why you're making people accountable in the workplace. If you're not going to make people accountable to meeting these targets, you're not going to get anywhere. And this is the other thing that the data and the research that we've been doing is bearing out through our data that there is an accountability gap in the workplace. So whilst organisations might be doing their pay gap um, analysis, what plans are they then putting in place and who are they making accountable to ensure that these pay gaps in their organisations are closed? So if you look at the pay gap, for instance, nobody, if you go in and do a pay gap analysis for your organisation and you discover that you have a pay gap um, and the reason for that is that uh, most of your coders are men and those men are, uh, as coders are earning on average, um, you know, better salaries than others. What are you going to do to address that situation so that you see that pay gap come down over time? Now, nobody's asking you to close that pay gap overnight. All we're saying is put a plan in place so that over three years, 
or four or five years, you will close that pay gap by increasing the number of female coders that you employ so that that part of your business uh, has equal representatives of women and men and therefore you don't end up with an organisational wide pay gap. So, uh, and, and then in doing so, who is accountable? Who is accountable yes. in your organisation for ensuring the recruitment and training yes. of those women Maybe. into coding roles? We, we will take a short break and we'll come back uh, on that because that's a very interesting insight. Uh, so stay with us. We'll come back shortly. Not a problem. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call in to our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to The Global Workplace. Welcome back, the Global Workplace uh, listeners. I'm so fortunate uh, and really have honor to have Libby Lyons as my guest today. Libby plays a, such a critical role in Australia and also influencing the world uh, in terms of the Workplace Gender Equality Agency. Libby, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really honored um, to have you as my guest and sharing uh, your insights in this such an important movement, I would say, around the world, uh, as well as, uh, as your role. I think that's absolutely right. I think we are seeing a movement now, Alma, and uh, there's no turning back. No, and thanks to you for the last couple of years uh, pushing through this agenda um, it's been it's been really exciting to see the the difference and a change and uh, it's almost like uh, everyone is getting part of this movement and want to get on board 
Um, one of the things talking about the movement is um, uh, your agency has uh, equality ambassadors uh, and CEOs who promote these initiatives in their workplace. Tell us a little bit more about that. Look, we have two programs that we run. One is about recognising uh, organisations who go over and above in terms of um, uh, setting the pace for gender equality in Australian workplaces, and that's called our Employer of Choice for Gender Equality Citation. Um, we currently have 120 um, uh, employers in Australia uh, who have that citation, and it has become uh, a recognisable. Um, um, it's almost a branding, isn't it? <laughs> program for employees to look for. So when employees are out there and they're they're looking at jobs and 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 they see organisations advertise jobs and whatever, a lot of them will look to see if they have. Uh, the citation for uh, gender equality that we provide. We set the bar very, very high and, and we change and we move that by bar higher every year. So the organisations that get this citation are really the ones leading the way. They're the sorts of organisations who are providing um, uh, um, superannuation on paid and unpaid parental leave. They're the sorts of organisations who have really high take-up of uh, people working flexibly in their organisations. Um, they're the sorts of organisations who are providing subsidised childcare for their for their employees. So they're those. There are those. They're those organisations who are really setting the pace, and we recognise them. And it's become um, a, a quite something to attain. Is the um, this citation? The other program we have is around encouraging um, CEOs to talk about and advocate uh, about pay equity. So closing the gender pay gap is very, very important for everybody because um, women start out their working life with a pay gap and it just gets worse and worse over time. So that sadly in Australia today, when women um, retire, they are retiring with on average uh, 50% less retirement savings than men. And we're ending up with a huge problem in Australia where we have this large cohort of women over 65 who are now homeless. They've had to sell oh, their assets so in order to live. And this is, a, this is a shameful situation for us to be in, but it's compounded by the fact that, you know, we start out our working life with a pay gap. So these pay equity ambassadors sign up with us and I think that currently we've got about 156 and their CEOs are some of the biggest companies in Australia and some of the smaller companies in Australia and what they commit to do is advocate and talk about pay equality, uh, to advocate and talk amongst their peers about doing a pay gap analysis in their own organisation but then taking action to address the pay gap that they generally always find. They also commit to working with their supply chains around how their suppliers can can address 
higher quality in their own workplaces and they just become ambassadors. Uh, they do round tables, they do staff forums, they do all sorts of things to highlight, talk about, publicise and take action to address the gender pay gap in their organisations and influence those in their sphere to do the same in their workplaces. So they're two great programs, two different programs, but two programs that are forging ahead in Australia to get organisations on board to start addressing these issues in very real ways. And if somebody uh, uh, who is listening want to join uh, that group, what's the best way to, to contact you, Libby, or contact the Workplace Gender Equality Agency? Look, the best way is to give us a call in Sydney or alternatively um, contact us. We have, um, uh, if you go to our website, there is a general email address and that's probably the easiest way. Our website is www.wgea. .gov.au that's wgea.gov.au there's on the front page there's an email address that you can send um, your request to and uh, and and we'll you know we'll sign you up if you want more information about um, the citation that we offer each year again um, please contact us. There's lots of information on the website about it. And for organisations in Australia who do have to report to us and want to strive for, for instance, a citation um, to recognise that they're leading the way, we're happy to help you get there too. You know, we, 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 we provide advice. We provide education. We provide, we'll provide education tools and we provide other tools. Have a look at our website. Um, you may find some information there that's really, really um, useful. The other thing, of course, Alma, is all of our information, other than pay information for organisations, but all, all the other reports and the data that we collect is available to the public. It's, it's, it's all there for the public and um, anyone can go in and look at that information by going to data wgea.gov.au um, and that will take you to our data explorer which will allow you to um, for instance compare gender pay gaps and parental leave policies across different employers and industries and things so that's a really wonderful tool that anybody um, can access to that's data.wgea.gov.au your website is really great because I I regularly go there and uh, and look for the research and tools and so on and uh, there is so much uh, information there and, and different tools in terms of the the um, the gender equality policies and so on and so on so I really encourage everyone to to spend some time and regularly visit your website because it's really rich of information that can help organizations but as you're saying Libby also employees to understand when they're applying for the jobs which organizations are leading in that space so congratulations on on doing a, such an amazing work thanks Alma um, we work hard we, we do a lot with them yes. because we're just a very small agency so uh, my um, the staff in the agency are exceptional 
They're dedicated, they're hardworking and uh, the the scorecard that we produce every year and, and what we have to do to get that uh, scorecard every year is exceptional. So, you know, huge thanks to the, the the staff in the agency. They really are second to none. So we're very, very privileged and fortunate to have them um, producing this great data for us. Well, it's, it's all your good leadership, Libby. Uh, you know what they say, um, the organization is reflection of the person on the top, and that's certainly you. Um, we, we touched base on, um, on the um, promotion of the initiatives in a workplace and, uh, uh, and also your role around the world. You touched base that you, you went for the couple of trips what do you believe is uh, where the other countries are next and um, what sort of they can learn from you personally but also from the work that our country is doing here? I think, I think there are a few things. As I, say, as I said at the beginning, Alma, there's no other country in the world that we can find that's collecting the breadth and depth of data. And it is, I believe, this data that is is forging change in Australia. Yes, change is slow and it's very slow because we've got to change a culture here. We're not just changing, you know, and we've got to do it workplace by workplace. But when you have that hard data in front of you, when you have that data um, that tells you that, uh, for instance, um, you know, 38% of managers across Australia are women, um, and interestingly, last year from our data, um, so only 38% of, of all managers in, in our data set are women. But last year, 43 of all, 43% of all promotions into management went to women. Now, that tells us that, you know, if that trajectory continues, we will see more women in management, which is absolutely fantastic. But no other country in the world can tell me that. No other country in the world that we know can actually give me those specific statistics. So other countries in the world um, are um, are regulating and legislating to uh, try and close pay gaps, um, to make, you know, pay more transparent. And and there seems to be a lot of focus around pay gaps and that is fantastic. Closing Mm. pay gaps is absolutely essential. But, But closing a pay gap is not going to address all of these other issues that we know through research uh, make it easier, give women the equal opportunity to men to make choice about their career. And it is creating that level playing field that we need to see. We need all women and men to have the same choice about where they want to go in their career uh, before we are going to reach gender equality. That needs to happen first because it's all about creating the opportunity. Um, if I choose to take that, a path into senior management, fantastic, but give me the same chance to get there as my male counterpart. So, so, so any initiative that any country introduces in terms of of regulation or legislation is fantastic. But just addressing the pay gap isn't going to get us there. And that's one of the concerns that I have and that's one of the messages that I have 
um, for other uh, countries when I when I go around and I talk to them. I think other countries are particularly interested, particularly OECD countries, because I think that they can look at our specific data and 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 you know probably suspect that their countries may may be similar. Of course, you know in terms of. Uh, some countries may be better at, at offering paid parental care or childcare or whatever. But by and large, if you look at the data as a whole, most OECD countries are probably around there with us within, you know, a few percentage points. I think it was interesting when I went to Chile um, to talk to uh, a conference there and also I met with some politicians and, and others um, about what they're doing in Chile. And every country has its own challenges when it comes to women in the workplace. But they sat and listened to what we had to say. They sat and listened to and looked at the data that I was able to provide them. And they were very keen on the business case. They were very keen on the economic arguments for gender equality. Um, any country that wants to, uh, uh, you know, any country, any company that excludes 50% of the workplace, uh, 50% of the population from their workplace uh, is not helping the economy. Uh, you're not getting the best and brightest talent if you immediately exclude half the population. So they're looking at these business cases of different organisations. They're looking at the economic arguments that are put forward by, you know, McKinsey and Co and the OECD um, and, and Catalyst Research. They're looking at all of that because they want to improve the economy of their country and they realise that in order to do that, they need greater work, workforce participation for women. They need to address all these issues that will allow that that better workforce participation for women. So, so Chile really wanted to hear about the economic argument. It wanted, and and one of the best ways that I can um, promote what we do is tell the stories about the organisations in Australia that have actually embraced gender equality. Um, storytelling is so powerful because it resonates with people and they can, they can then imagine how such a situation might be in their own workplace. So, you know, we told, I told lots of stories about different organisations and what they're doing. And again, those case studies that we use, those stories are available on our website as well. So Chile was great again went to then um, spent some time in Vietnam. They're looking at revising their labour code and again talking to our data. This is what is happening in Australia and this is why I can tell you uh, this is why the picture is as it is because we've been collecting data for four years uh, and and this, this, is, this is where we've come from, this is where we hope we're going but this is the data. And um, it's been really, really very, um, you know, it's been a wonderful um, experience for me. Uh, but it's also been able, wonderful to be able to share stories uh, of organisations that are making change in Australia and to share the reasons why. That, that's a, such an incredible story, um, Libby. It's, it's almost like... Um, you should be known as the global workplace uh, gender equality agency, not just for Australia. Go Aussie. 
I, I think it's fantastic um, to <laughs> to uh, to be leading in in um, in such an important. I, I would say it's a movement because I'm seeing a lot of movements and. Uh, um, one of uh, my guests a couple of weeks ago was Jack Mays, who is also advocating uh, a similar uh, challenges to improving men and women equally in a workplace and a young man and so on. And uh, it's, it's really great that this movement now is shaping around the world. Um, we will take a, a break shortly. We'll come back and we will continue some of these um, uh, studies Libby and talk more about uh, a cultural diversity uh, spin if that's okay with you so stay with us we'll come back shortly thank you from the boardroom to you voice america business network Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to The Global Workplace. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you very much for staying with us today. I am really, really fortunate and privileged and honored to have Libby Lyons as my guest today, who is the director of Workplace Gender Equal Agency, but also influencing uh, other countries around the world, sharing uh, great work that Australia is doing in this space. Um, the Australian Diversity Council, Libby, 
in conjunction with University of Sydney Business School, uh, Google, Euricon, Commonwealth Bank, Deloitte has released a study that shows that gender equality initiatives typically benefit women from Anglo Celtic cultural backgrounds and cultural diversity initiatives typically benefit culturally diverse men and that culturally diverse women experience double jeopardy. Um, and um, as you may know, um, I'm a director of Immigrants, and I'm really passionate about helping uh, diverse and multicultural women in a professional roles um, being equally treated and getting placed in a workplace. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, look, for a long time, Alma, I've been saying that, you know, my my job currently is absolutely focused on gender because uh, uh, that that's what the, the, the agency was set up to do. But, you know, workplaces should represent the communities in which we live. And um, and and it, it it's it's a nonsense to think that workplaces that are dominated by one gender or another or by one race or another or by what religion or, or another um, are going to be um, uh, smart, um, interesting, innovative, creative um, and pleasant places to work. Um, you know, we need... We need workplaces that represent the communities in which we live. And, and, and if we don't get that, then again, if we're excluding people based on their religion or ethnicity or the fact that they have a disability, then we're missing out on the best and brightest. Uh, so for me, whilst I'm focused on, on women, um, I think that... Um, you know, we need communities that are, we need workplaces that represent these communities in which we live. And I think that in addressing 50% of the population, um, you know, I, I suppose I don't think about, um, you know, that 50% of the, the, the population in terms of Anglo-Saxon. I think of it in terms of, you know, women from all walks of life, from all different countries, from different backgrounds but clearly uh, we don't all think like that but we know through research that uh, diverse and inclusive uh, workplaces are better workplaces uh, they're, they're higher performing workplaces they're safer workplaces so we just need to get on board and address these um, acknowledge and address the biases we have uh, and and as leaders, we need to lead in this regard and we need to find ways in our organisations to address um, those within our organisations who have these biases, both conscious and unconscious, and we need to take action to address um, the, the, the culture and the behaviours that we're seeing in the workplaces. I mean... David Morrison, our former Australian of the Year, said it absolutely correctly. The standard you accept is the standard you work past, you walk past. Now, if people, uh, if we're seeing um, discrimination in our workplaces, whether it be uh, conscious or unconscious, 
we have to address it and we have to address it then and there. And it's only through addressing these things and these behaviours and cultures in our workplaces are we going to see truly diverse and inclusive workplaces. I think that's beautifully said and uh, I, I've been nearly 27 years in, in this country. This is my home and uh, I think we are we are a wonderful country who is embracing the difference. So I think we just need to tweak a few things and uh, it's a work in progress in, in every country. And um, one thing that um, that I still, we still hang on uh, a little bit too hard and it's not just Australia, I'm hearing US the same Canada is the same, which I am trying to change, is that um, the the really skilled migrants who are coming in this country and women, as, as the research showed uh, in particular, really, they have amazing qualifications, but we are still hanging on to our local experiences. And I'm, I'm hoping through work that I do and your agency is doing globally on the gender equality in general, that these things will change as well because these women uh, do often go for a very, very low level jobs as a migrant. Um, we're talking here people with uh, PhDs, with uh, masters and, and so on and so on. And um, we are not embracing as probably as much as we should. Um, so, so that's one area that I'm really looking forward to, um, to create some change. And, and, and I you, think we need to. Sorry. And, and, and I yes. think that there are ways that we can do that. Um, I think, you know, in Australia today, you look at a job description or you, you, if, if you see a job advertised and you get the, the pack that, that supports it, too often what we're, what we're being asked for are experience and skills. Now, um, we know from research, this is around gender, but it's the same. It's, it goes to the heart of what you're talking about, Alma. We know through research that, and in fact, I heard a young woman do this the other day. She saw a job advertised and she said, um, you know, she only had 70% of what they were wanting in terms of skills and experience, so she wasn't going to apply. A man would look at that and have probably 40% of the skills and experience and he would have the confidence to apply. So we need to move away from this skills and focus on skills and experience to say, in this job, this is what you will be accountable for and these are the outcomes that we expect. How are you going to... You tell me how you are going to be accountable for that and how you are going to achieve these outcomes. That's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be focusing on, you know, 15 years relevant experience in this industry. I mean, it's a nonsense because we're not, mm. when we're not looking then, we're not looking outside our own little sphere of influence um, to get people who are going to bring um, different thinking, uh, different ways of doing things better ways of doing things into our organisations if we want 15 years of experience in a particular, you know, way of doing something. So we need to focus on accountability and outcomes. Let's change the way we're doing our job descriptions. Let's change the way we recruit our people. Let's, let's look at blind recruitment, for instance. You know, it can work and it can work really well. De-identify all the CVs, de-identify all the applications and there's software being developed that of course can do that. So 
And this mm. way, we're not. Then people aren't being discriminated um, against because of their gender or their background or their education or their lack of it either. You know, so yes. it, it, it's something that, uh, as you can, see, you can hear in my voice, I get quite passionate about because mm. we are excluding so many skilled, wonderful, um, bright people because we have these ridiculous. Um, entrenched ways of doing things well the mindset is the hardest to change isn't it so whilst we are moving mm. needle in these areas there is a, a lot of mindset and uh, cultural change that needs to happen uh, within the organizations and and like you whilst I'm focusing on professional migrants because I, I simply think they they get wasted in terms of their skills uh, I believe that the role should be given to the person who is the best for that particular role, doesn't matter who they are. And that's my exactly. personal belief. And that's, you know, when, when I was uh, working in organizations uh, in my senior roles, that, that, was, that was my way of recruiting regardless who it is. But you are so right also, uh, Libby, when you say that women often shoot themselves in a the foot by... Uh, having a lack of confidence and I certainly see that through my work with with the migrant women because they think oh I, I don't speak English very well or I have accent and um, I've been told you know there is something called local experience and they don't even actually try uh, often no. to to apply for the level and that's where I encourage them to say you know I was given every opportunity in this country that I I could be given and uh, I remember uh, you know, more than 25 years ago when I applied for the role, um, which was the privatizing part of the government back, back at that time. And apparently they had 90 uh, applications and they chose me and I was so thrilled. I was only mm. like a couple of years in, in Australia and I asked them and I said, why me? And they said, mm. uh, well, we are not hiring you as English teacher and your English is very good. We're hiring you for... Uh, what you're bringing around the table and your potential. And I will never forget that. Mm. So um, that, there are lots of people like that. And it's a pity we don't have more workplaces like that. But by some simple actions, by just, you know, overhauling our job descriptions uh, and, and, as I say, focusing on accountabilities and outcomes, um, employers will see a far richer pool of people applying because we can all identify with outcomes. We may yes. not all have this ridiculous experience that they always insist on, but we can all identify with outcomes and we can sit there and say, yes, I could do that. I could achieve that. I would mm -hmm. be accountable for that. And so it just changes the whole focus of how we look at jobs and yes. how we look at recruitment. Libby, we are at the end of our uh, episode today. Thank you so much uh, for your time. I know how busy you are. I'm really privileged uh, to have you on my show this morning. And um, I thought the quote, every time I give a quote uh, after my episode, and given we're talking about the gender equality, I would just like to read the quote from Ban Ki-moon, who was the Secretary General of the United Nations um, and uh, was a... Uh, eight Secretary General of the United Nations from January 2007 to December 2016 and he said achieving gender equality requires engagement of women and men, girls and boys, it is everyone's responsibility. Libby, thank you so much for joining us today and um, 
Thank you for all our listeners today. Uh, this is Alma Besedin. Until next time, um, stay healthy, happy, healthy, and safe. Thank you so much, Libby. Thank you, Alma. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Besserton for another edition of The Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.